Buckingham Palace, 3rd of August, 1916. Madam, in the sorrow which has so cruelly stricken you, the King joins with his people in offering you his heartfelt sympathy. Since the outbreak of the war, His Majesty has followed with admiration the splendid services of the mercantile marine. The action of Captain Fryer in defending his ship against the attack of an enemy submarine was a noble instance of the resource and self-reliance so characteristic of that profession. It is therefore with feelings of the deepest indignation that the King learn of your husband's fate, and in conveying to you the expression of his condolence, I am commanded to assure you of the abhorrence with which His Majesty regards this outrage. Yours very faithfully. Welcome to Past Voices. Welcome to this trailer episode for the Past Voices podcast with me, Ben Lane. In this trailer episode edition, we hear from one of my students at the Gilbert School in Colchester, a lad by the name of Jack Fryatt, whose great-granddad, Captain Charles Fryatt, is the protagonist in one of the most untold, yet at the time, most incredibly famous stories of the First World War. And... When you hear Jack talk about his ancestor, you get some idea of what we're trying to achieve with this podcast. He was a little bit nervous, but then again, so was I. So please excuse any umming and ahhing. You know, he is only 11 years old. I'm only 31 years old. So there you go. And so before you hear from Jack, I'm just going to give you a bit of background to the Captain Fryer story. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Whilst you're enjoying it, please visit the website www.pastvoices.org. Send us an email at pastvoicespod at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at pastvoicespod. You can now find us on iTunes, Acast and Stitcher. So there really is no excuse for subscribing. Please get out there, spread the word about this and what we're trying to do. And if you yourself have an interesting life story that you want us to record for posterity, then please get in touch. So just to put Captain Fry's story into some sort of context, it's February 1915 and the German government have announced that they are to blockade uh, Britain and at the time Ireland, including the whole of the English Channel region, which the German government declared as a war region. Now, previous to this edict of February the 4th, 1915, merchant seamen had always been given warning that they were to be fired upon in time of war. But... Because of this German proclamation, it was now deemed that this wasn't necessary. And on March the 2nd, 1915, Fryer had his first run-in with a German U-boat on a trip to Rotterdam. And he somehow managed to steam his ship 16 knots 
all the way into Dutch waters. And so it was on March the 28th of 1915 that Fry met U-boat 33 in the North Sea. And this is an account from the Times. In the afternoon, when on a voyage from Parkston to Rotterdam, the Brussels which was the ship that Fryat was commanding, sighted a German submarine at least 300 feet long with a very high bow, a very large circular conning tower and without distinguishing marks on her starboard bow. Captain Fryat soon realised that the speed of the submarine was far greater than his own and that if he attempted to turn away he could easily be torpedoed. The submarine signalled him to stop but his British courage revolted at the thought of surrender and the experience of German methods of warfare warned him that surrender would be no guarantee that the lives of his crew would be spared. He determined, therefore, to take the best chance of saving his ship and to steer for the submarine in order to force her to dive and, if she were not quick enough in diving, to ram her. This was his undoubted right under international law to disregard her summons and resist her attack to the best of his power. It was a contest of skill and courage in which each side took their chance. Captain Fryat, therefore, starboarded his helm and gave orders to his engineers to make all possible speed. He sent all the crew aft to a place of safety in case the submarine should fire upon him and steered straight for the conning tower. The latter, when she saw that the Brussels would not surrender, but was bent upon exercising her undoubted right of resistance, immediately submerged. The Brussels saw her disappear about 20 yards ahead and steered for the place where she had been. Almost immediately, her periscope came up abreast of the Brussels, two feet out of the water. Captain Fryat did not feel his ship strike the submarine, but one of the firemen felt a bumping sensation. The submarine reappeared with a decided list and afterwards vanished from view. Captain Fryat held his course at top speed until he was safely within the territorial waters of Holland. So this was the incident that Fryat was later executed for as we'll hear from Jack. And, you know, despite all of the propaganda here, um, it's a pretty remarkable story that this guy decided his best course of action was to ram a German U-boat. Now, from all evidence, it seems that German Admiralty had some long memory of Fryat's encounter, but it appears, really look at the evidence, that this was a chance capture of the Brussels, uh, which took place on the 22nd of June, 1916. He was sailing back to Tilbury for another trip uh, from Zeebrugge um, on his uh, ship, the Brussels, heading back to Harwich for the Great Eastern Railway Company. And, uh, yeah, the Germans captured his ship, drove him to Brussels by car, and this is where he was put on trial. According to British reports, he was brought to trial. And this was the charge that the German Admiralty laid against Captain Fryer. Although he was not a member of a combatant force, he made an attempt on the afternoon of March the 28th, 1915, to ram the German submarine U-33 near the Mars lightship. I mean, the aftermath of this story is absolutely incredible. And there's no doubt that the British government used this story for their own aims of hatred towards the Germans, you know, whipping up that patriotic fervour as the First World War was waning on. There are plenty of examples of Allied newspapers, for example, the New York Herald, uh, Dutch newspapers from Rotterdam, Swiss newspapers, granted neutrality, but still, which all say the same thing, that basically it's a German war crime. The Germans have committed a war crime. 
And as these patriotic stories at the time tend to do, it just escalates. The reaction just is incredible. Um, So Asquith stands up in the House of Commons and says, Coming as it does contemptuously with the lawless cruelties to the population of Lille and other occupied districts of France, it shows that the German high command have, under the stress of military defeat, renewed their policy of terrorism. It is impossible to guess to what further atrocities they may proceed. Balfour, at the time, who was first Lord of the Admiralty, said this. Doubtless it is their wrath at the skill and energy with which British merchant captains and British crews have defended the lives and property under their charge that has driven the German Admiralty into their latest and stupidest act of calculated ferocity, the judicial murder of Captain Fryatt. I do not propose to argue this case. It is not worth arguing. Why should we do the German military authorities the injustice of supposing they were animated by any solicitude for the principles of international law and blundered into illegality by some unhappy accident? Before we move into hearing from Jack, the final words here can go to uh, the Prime Minister at the time. He said, When we come to the end of this war, which please God we may, we shall not forget and we ought not to forget this horrible record of calculated cruelty and crime. See, this one man whipped up all of this reaction. And yet, if you were to ask somebody, ever heard of Captain Fryer? They'd say, no, who's that? A real incredible story. Right, Jack, tell us a little bit about your ancestor. So he was my great-grandfather, and... What happened was he was born on the 2nd of December in the year 1872 in Southampton in Hampshire in the United Kingdom and he got married and then had seven children and moved to a house in Dovercourt before he was told he had to go to the First World War against Germany. What role did he play during the war, Jack? Well, he was a captain of a Navy ship called the SS Brussels and in 1915 attempted to ram a U-boat, and then later was captured by the Germans and was taken to the Netherlands and was court-martialed and was sentenced to death. Right, Jack, when he was captured by this flotilla of torpedo boats, what then happened to him? So they, after he was court-martialed and was sentenced to death, the Germans executed him in Bruges in Belgium in the in Europe and was then later buried reburied in 1919 his with his full honours in the United Kingdom. Whereabouts is he buried, Jack? And did he win any awards or medals? Uh, but um, so I have actually visited his memorial located in Harwich, and there is a second memorial at Liverpool Street in London. And for the awards, he has he's won the Order of Leopold, and has won the Maritime War Cross. And what's incredible about this story, Jack, is the amount of things that are named after him. Why don't you tell us some of these things? Yes. It is quite true, he's named after a lot of things. There's been a film in 1917 created, which is a silent and short film with 44 minutes of time on the film, and it's called The Murder of Captain Fryatt. 
and there is a hotel located in Harwich called the Captain Fryer. The two memorials in Harwich and Liverpool Street. There is a Fryer Hospital in Harwich, and there is a book in, called The Murder of Captain Fryer as well. And there is a mountain in Canada called the Mountain Fryant. So, Jack, how does it make you feel knowing you've got this really famous ancestor? Well, to be honest, I feel very privileged because it's very rare to have someone as famous as this having a mountain in Canada named after him. And I feel like he's an unsung hero. And plus, he's, I think, personally, he's more famous than the best in footballers and athletes in the world.